This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 103. What do you really need from me? Of the in-between podcast where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy-filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel Lim. And I'm Christina M. Well, if you listened into episode 102, where we talked about how our brains react in crisis, you're definitely going to enjoy today's episode because we're continuing on with the theme of, I guess, brain science and, and how that relates to parenting. Exactly. This is something that is near and dear to my heart because I've just learned about emotional attachment and what we can do to be able to foster the love between our kids and ourselves, but also what the brain and the chemicals in the brain can actually have to do with it as well. Yeah. So in a world turned upside down, we have to ask ourselves, what does my child need most? Is it the new toys to keep them occupied this summer? I've gone through that. I've searched through Amazon and seen what, you know, is going to last more than a week. Is it a firmer or more lenient schedule? Something that we talked about last week in episode 102. Or is it play dates with friends? Yeah. And if you found yourself asking yourself any of those questions over the past few weeks, you're going to enjoy today's episode where we interview Amy and Jeffrey Ulrich about their newest book, The Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection. Mm-hmm. Well, in a culture obsessed with parenting formulas and do this and don't do that, the Ulrichs encourage us to ask ourselves, how shall I be with this person? How shall I be with my child versus what in the world do I do with this child? Mm. (laughs) More than a parenting guide, their book and interview will invite you to break free from the myth of perfect parenting. Oh, who needs that? (laughs) (laughs) And embrace your child's long journey of growth. All right. So let's listen in. Welcome, Amy and Jeffrey, to the In-Between Podcast. We're so glad to have you here. Oh, it's so exciting to be here. Yes, thanks for having us. Oh, most welcome. So can you explain to us how the distinction between what do I do and how shall I be with this person can completely change our approach to parenting? Absolutely. Um, Amy and I have uh, three uh, boys, uh, 16, 14, and uh, nine. Nine. (laughs) I had to think about that one. I know. They always keep changing their numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep oh, up with. Multiple. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you know, we've been parenting for a while. <laughs> um, and, you know, early on, it just, we became aware of how much pressure there is in raising children and feeling, you know, feeling the question being asked of us, how are we doing? Um, how are mm. things turning out? Uh, is my kid learning to read? What about the other kids? Um, their behavior. Um, and these pressures come from the world. They come from within our churches. Uh, and it's like being under a microscope. And it sucks the life um, out of our relationship, uh, our relationships with our children. We just realize, wait a second, we, uh, we need to reclaim something here. And my work in child development and working with families 
uh, I know how important how it goes in relationship is to how things turn out for children and as they become adults. Mm. So uh, we just had a real heart to communicate um, the science of that, as well as what we believe in terms of our faith. And so um, reclaiming what it means to be in a lifelong on a lifelong journey with our children. You know, parenting doesn't, we don't stop being a mother or father when we, when our kids turn 18. This is, this is the okay. lifelong journey we're on. And, and we wanted to be more intentional about uh, nurturing that relationship with the long view in mind. Mm-hmm. I think changing that frame from what do I do to how shall I be with this person gives us a chance to take a breath and really see the person in front of us too. So they're not a project or, you know, a mold to be popped out in a certain way, but an individual just in the same way that we are individuals. Um, And that has really helped me as a mom. Yeah, it's been really interesting to read the book. Um, I was telling y'all at the top of the podcast before we pressed record that this book has been so life-giving to me. Um, as our podcast family knows, we read lots of books. We come a lot of uh, come across a lot of parenting books, and there are only probably about three <laughs> where I feel like. I love that it's coming from a Christian biblical perspective, but it's also that it is filled with hope. It is filled with practical tools to be able to uh, grow closer to our family and grow closer to God. But it also you walk away not feeling condemned. And right off the bat, reading uh, the intro and and all of that, talking about how can we be with this person? Because I love that it's such a a holistic view of being from a baby to watching your adult children grow up and have their own children and learning how to live life and sort of have that dance uh, together in our relationships. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful if, if you can allow yourself to enter into uh, the twists and turns of that journey. And so much of modern life wants to um, take out the twists and turns and make sure you're exactly where you're supposed to be, whatever that means at a given moment, but it's, um, drains the life out of you. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe give us some color commentary around, um, a, a, a practical situation between a parent and a child and the difference between approaching them with kind of a, what do I do as a parent perspective mm-hmm. versus a, how shall I be? How, how does that change things, uh, from the parent's point of view? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it probably the, you know, situation that we can all relate to is, uh, um, you know, when our children behave in some way that offends, you know, we don't have, you know, we don't, you know, you're not allowed to hit your brother. <laughs> that seems, that ought to seem fairly obvious. Um, and I can focus on that as a behavior, um, and I can discipline it in some way, uh, or I can step back and I can say, What's going on for this this little person that they uh, mm-hmm. felt the need to lash out the, at their brother in this way? Um, mm-hmm. And it's just our human impulse to to go right at the behavior and do something about the behavior. Um, and I need to take a breath and say and be curious and draw alongside my son and say, "What's going on?" Um, mm-hmm. And so often, uh, if we take that time to say what's really going on, we discover things that um, we might never get to uh, if um, if we just stopped at the behavior. Um, and that's getting at the heart of a child, um, not just what I see on the outside. 
And I think also one an example that jumps out to me is it. I think about the shame that the what do I do question really brings up in me because often from the outside, whatever I'm doing kind of looks like a mess, right? To an outside world who doesn't know what it's like to maybe parent three boys at once or, you know, be in this particular moment. And and I remember when the kids were young, going to the grocery store was so hard for them because someone would have a meltdown because we're not getting, you know, the particular dyed yogurt or we're not doing this or that. And somebody's screaming and, and, um, and Jeffrey said to me, just let them scream. It doesn't matter. You know, if you just try to let go of that guilt feeling. And that was so, it sounds small, but it was so helpful to me to, to kind of almost take my own shoulders and look myself in the eye and say, I am in a relationship with this little person for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. right? And that maybe there's an older woman who's looking at me a little bit with disdain <laughs> as my kid throws a temper <laughs> in the grocery store. Do I lose it on my kid in whatever way that might look like? Or do I just, Jeffrey could just take take him and just hold him. Turn him around, he would put turn him on him my hip. And just let him scream throughout the store. I wasn't tall enough to do that kind of thing. But it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's we don't want to make we don't want to make a ruckus. We don't want to disrupt other people. But at the same time, my level of distress about what other people were thinking about what I was doing was actually harming the relationship that I had with my kid. So changing that question really changed everything for me. I love that. That's such a great picture that I think most of us can relate to. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I think I relate more to you, Amy, about yeah. the whole like shame and then like, well, yeah. everyone's going to think I'm a bad <laughs> mom in Target if the kids are screaming in the dollar spot aisle. <laughs> but it well, happens exactly. to everybody. You find yourself like, it why is. do I care? I mean, like I am this yeah. child's mother and the yeah. only one they've got. You know, and life is hard and dysregulating for them. And sometimes we really want things like sugary yogurt and it's really hard when we can't get it. That doesn't mean we do get it, but we might scream about it. I mean, it's just these things of like, yeah, and then we're going to keep going and I'm going to model that you can survive that moment and I can survive that moment Mm. without screaming at you and we're going to be okay. I love that. Now, uh, the two of you wrote the book, The Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection. So for the sake of time, we won't be able to discuss all of the six needs in detail. Oh, I wish we could. It's so good, (laughs) y'all. You have to pick up this book. But we would absolutely love it if you could give us a quick overview of each of the six needs. Absolutely. So... um... Can I just say, uh, I have to go back because of the shame mom <laughs> thing, and it's so important. We often <laughs> okay, do yes. buy sugary yogurt. I'm not judging <laughs> sugary yogurt. It's just sometimes it's too much. Well, that was the problem. Oh, we yeah. gave our kids sugary <laughs> yogurt, and then they were like, why aren't you giving me the sugary yogurt? <laughs> Every day. Hey, hey, they they tasted it and seen it was good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. It's so true. You know what, though? It does kind of, like, we've had that, too, where we used to only buy the um, Costco brand, the one that you have to add honey to it to make it a little oh, bit yes. like, oh, tasty, the yeah. Greek yogurt. And then um, we went to a friend's house, and they gave them, like, Eggo Nanos or something, like some sugary drink yeah. of yogurt, and then they and then, and then we're yeah. <laughs> hey, the end It's the end of the story for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I grew up on Yop. So, and I think I turned out fine. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Sugar yogurt's not too bad. You're so tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, yeah. Let us go back to the knees. Thank you for this. <laughs> okay, the six needs. <laughs> the first three needs are uh, delight, support, and boundaries. Delight is um, our need to be seen um, and affirmed with joy um, apart from what we do in our works. 
support is our need to be nurtured in our interests and in our abilities and uh, given help to develop our skills, skills that we'll need in life. Uh, boundaries, um, that's our need to understand how we fit into the world. Um, that there are other people that we're surrounded, they have needs and wants and desires too, and we can't uh, just trample over them. Um, and so we need to under- figure out how that works. Um, and then there are three needs um, following that, which are protection, comfort, and equipping. Uh, protection has to do with needing someone who's bigger, wiser, and stronger to take charge uh, in the face of real danger. Um, comfort is our need to be um, held uh, in our pain and distress and suffering without being fixed, um, just to be seen and um, make space for our pain. Um, and then equipping <clears throat> is our need to move out of that space of pain um, for wisdom. Um, to understand where do we go from there uh, with a hope and a plan. And so those are, the, mm-hmm. those are the six needs, and they relate to each other in different ways, and we can get into that uh, later. Yeah. Well, well, I love the diagram in your book where it looks like a compass, mm-hmm. and then you, got, you have delight, support, boundaries, protection, comfort, equipping, and they kind of feed into each other. And, and then there's this needle that talks about your child and you. So maybe give our listeners, um, and definitely podcast family, you, you have to pick this book up because it is just, we have not found another book like this mm-hmm. in particular, and, exactly. and especially with all the research, which we love. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's not just anecdotes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love the research, but 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 give our audience a our, our podcast family a sense of how they interrelate and Thank and the you. sense of the compass. Sure. No. So so the needs are really based on attachment research, and what attachment research has found over um, many decades is that all of us humans are born with two complementary instincts that sometimes look very confusing (laughs) when you're looking at the outside. And we have this instinct to go out and master and explore the world to kind of find out what's out there. And when things are going well, we just want to go. And then we have this other instinct that when things, when we run into difficulty, when things get hard, we want to be able to come back and find refuge in our caregivers. So we as we thought about these instincts that really are very kind of a circular feel going out, coming back, going out and coming back, we thought it really makes the most sense to put them in a compass. One side of the compass are the, um, the exploration needs. And those are the ones that are the delight, support and boundaries. So to go out and, and explore the world successfully, your kids have these needs within them and they're going to want to go, but then they're going to run into trouble and they're going to want to be able to come back to you. And that's where the compass will have them pointing to their need for protection, their need for comfort, and their need for equipping. And often we're going to run into situations with our kids where we think they have one need. So, and they actually have another need. Um, and so mm-hmm. they may, they may be acting out. We had this one situation with, um, with bedtime that was just so difficult with one of our little guys. It was just dragging on and on. We were so exhausted, didn't know what to do. And then it was just this feeling of tried to say, you look, you've got to go to sleep. We've got to turn the light off. You know, we can't, <laughs> there can be no more crying. That always works. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, Boundaries. Stop it. Just stop it now. 
<laughs> we're so tired. And then I thought, you know, you picture the compass. And you're like, it's comfort. It's got to be comfort is what he needs. That's the only thing I can think of. We've tried everything else. Mm-hmm. So I just went and lay down with him. And he was just quiet and crying for 15 minutes. And then the story came out about some really hard thing that had happened to him and a name calling that had happened to him at oh. school that day. Um, but something about having that compass in my mind to picture because, you know, sometimes there's just, we don't even know what our options are. We just keep going back to the one thing we know, whether it be boundaries or whether it be delight, whether it be protection. Um, but it's like, oh, there are these other choices. Let me think about what it could be. And that's what, that's the main reason why we put it into this compass form. Oh, that's brilliant. That, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Um, for my sake. So we've had these struggles as well. (laughs) You're not alone. Uh, You know, it's interesting. Go, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, now going back to your book, uh, Love the Compass, and typically in books, I mean, you know, we're supposed to read the introduction and we're supposed to work through the book, uh, but the appendix is one of those areas where you just kind of often skip over or it's just kind of extra whatever, but but your appendix A is absolutely brilliant it's absolutely brilliant because and i'll just read it for our our, our listeners here as you consider our uh these tools you'll probably find that you're highly responsive to some needs and less responsive to others so what i love about this is just as you walk through these six needs there's actually um podcast it's it's so cool because you'll see the title delight and the need type is mirroring and then there are statements uh that uh, may feel true to you if you tend to under respond to this need and it's so cool because it's you know you you have those statements and then here here are statements that may feel true if you are responsive to this and in just in a few pages you see all of this and then there are questions and exercises to respond from that so i mean even just for that appendix i mean the the yeah it's incredible so guys Bravo. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, we always love practical tools to um, for yeah. ourselves and to recommend to our podcast family to do that. And uh, I love how the book not just talks about our relationship with our kids, but also helps us as parents to reflect on maybe the needs that were really met well by our own parents. And maybe mm-hmm. those are the things that are easy for us to meet in our kids because we saw it modeled really well. Mm-hmm. And then there's yeah, the other right. side and you even address the emotional pain that might come with that is that there may be needs that we have ourselves that were not met well by our parents and you're not bashing our parents or whatnot they may just not know have known how to do it and in that in the ways that we have our needs not met doesn't mean that we have to do that to our children i think the first part of it is being aware of it and the second part of it is naming it as well so for the rest of the time we'd love to talk about the chapter both that dean and I really resonated with mm-hmm. and it's a chapter on delight and I love my parents and they listen to the podcast and I think it's going to be revolutionary for both of us yeah. mm-hmm. to learn like oh what's the difference what is delight first of all and what impact does it have on our relationship with our children so if you could take a moment to talk about um, what is delight really and why does it matter in our relationship with our kids yeah maybe I'll start um telling you about where that idea comes from. In in my research, uh, getting my doctorate uh, in clinical psychology, um, I was trained in the strange situation, which is a procedure for measuring children's attachment to their parents. And uh, there are several scales or things that you're measuring in the caregiver when you look at that. And one of them is delight. And uh, 
it's really wild when you come to uh, when you're taught how to capture some human emotion and delight is really subtle and it's it's hard to it's hard to imagine looking at a a you know rule book if you will and going how am i going to figure that out but you can when you really slow down and watch people see their facial expressions and their body language to see what how they are experiencing the other person and Delight isn't um, a big uh, pom-poms and cheering. It's really about, uh, one, an intent, an attentiveness, like just being able to notice a person. And, uh, and I think what lies behind that noticing is a curiosity. Who is this person in front of me? <laughs> um, uh, and without uh, a need to control, because when we feel like I'm judging a person and I need uh, and I need them to be a certain way. You, you remove that ability to delight in them, to take them as mm. they are. Um, and so delight is really about taking the time to notice and really be curious about who is this person um, brought into my life um, and, uh, and what makes them tick. And, and when you do that, there's just this, these emotions that well up, this tickleness, I call it often. Um, and and yeah, I love that. it doesn't have to, it, they don't tend to be long moments. They tend to be uh, kind of fleeting moments where something captures you uh, and you go, that's cool. <laughs> and you might say it. Um, uh, that's really awesome, buddy. And we, we, you know, saying that, like, I'm not judging what you're doing. I'm just enjoying seeing you be you. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And I think we've had them so, it's so easy to recognize in our early with the, with the babies. You know, they smile for the first time and we are like goofy goons, you know, just like <laughs> back at them. But then there's just these moments when you might see your kid or I'll see like, I'll, I don't know, I look over and there's something about like my kid sitting in that chair and I just think, I can't believe that that guy belongs to me. Or he'll, mm. we'll, he'll drop something and we both start laughing, like make eye contact and start laughing. And it's just those little moments. So it's not about anything that they're doing. It's just here we are in relationship with each other and we just adore each other. And they, what's interesting about the research that Jeffrey's talking about is they can see that in our eyes. They can read that in our faces. And scientifically, that's feeding their brain in a way that I hadn't I hadn't understood. And so that shame that we were talking about earlier, 
um, that shame. I, I am with you, Christina. I just felt like in my early years of parenting, I just stopped reading parenting books because I felt so ashamed every time I did anything with my kids. Um, I just almost felt like they were, they, the books were on my shoulder telling me that I could have been doing it wrong. And it just stole mm-hmm. the light out of our relationship. And so for me to just hear, look, your kids need to see you love <laughs> and adore them. And that's actually what's going to help them grow. And yeah, these like these minutes may be hard and their behavior might not be, you know, what you would ideally desire, but like what they need more than anything for their long-term growth and potential is for them to just see that look of love coming from you and to know that they belong. Um, that was mm-hmm. that so much freedom for me. And it's interesting. Love that. that when as kids get a little bit older, even just in Teller, I think all of us have had the experience of our little ones coming to us with some drawing or something they've made <laughs> and saying, Look, what do you think? And what's really going on there is they don't actually care what you think about what they did. They are looking, they want you to see them. And, and so it's hard to resist that, that pull to like, how did I do, right? You know, what's your judgment about my drawing? What we're really gaming for in that situation is, do you see me out there? Uh, what do you think of me? But they don't have the words for it, right? Um, you yeah. wouldn't know to ask that question. And that's a little awkward anyway, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what our souls are looking for. And, um, you know, yeah. I didn't speak about this earlier, but I was, when I was in graduate school, I had just come to faith in Christ. And so I was uh, diving into scripture as much as I was into research studies um, and uh, understanding what it means to be a Christian. And a lot of that was uh, following Jesus and, uh, and, to, and to follow Jesus means to be, uh, you know, to do what the, the, the Father says, right? Um, and when I came across his baptism, uh, the record of his baptism, uh, and he comes out of the Jordan and it says that God, the father, says over him, this is my beloved son in whom I delight or take great pleasure in mm. translation. This, this thought occurred to me in relation to the research I was doing, which is, wait a second, God is declaring something over Jesus before he had obeyed all the things, before he had Um, onto the cross like that work that i associated with being the good son hadn't yet happened and Mm. that really impacted me to say wait a second is god trying to tell us something by that declaration that that delight powerful yeah that that delight sits apart from um, our ability to follow the rules um uh, and 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 i think it does yeah. Uh, one of the things that we often, well, when we drove our kids to school, when that was still a thing, COVID. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we'd often ask them is, what are you thankful for? And a couple of weeks back, I asked them that just to see what they would say. And uh, I mean, the answers were here and there. Of, you know, I'm thankful that we get to do homeschool, you know, school at home. Or I'm thankful that you have a job and I'm thankful for food or this. And, bacon. Yeah, I think that's you're for bacon. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, uh, <laughs> and then our son, just the sweetest little boy. I mean, I was like, so Makaris, what are you thankful for? And then he just looks at me with his big eyes and he's like, you, I'm thankful for you because I love you. And that was it. Like it was, (laughs) I don't know, just 
so sweet. And, and, and I bring that story up because as I'm listening to you and as I'm sure our, our, our podcast family is listening to you as well, in the, in the book, you talk about this subtle difference between delight and pride. Mm. And there's a sense where it's like, oh, you know, I'm proud of you. You know, I'm proud of you for doing that. I'm proud of you. I'm, pr-, you know, and, and in a sense, when you're proud of them, there is delighting going on. Mm-hmm. But in your book, you actually, and this is what was so profound for Christina and I, you illustrate the difference. Can you talk about that difference? Absolutely. Um, here's here's the tricky bit, and it goes back to that picture. You know, that when kids bring us a picture, they. They also do want feedback on how the world works, right? Hmm. That's part of support, actually, that, that they need us to say, how do things work here? <laughs> Am I on the right yeah. track or not? Um, but those, those needs um, can often be confused. And depending on our own stories, like I, I came from a family where there was a lot of emphasis on what I achieved and delight mm-hmm. was ignored. That that I, I I lose the ability to keep that separate, and when and when we are looking at our our accomplishments, we can have pride in them. It's not that pride is a bad thing. Uh, to see us persevere and overcome and accomplish things uh, is is good, um, but it doesn't replace apart from all of that. If it were all stripped away, um, mm-hmm. how would you then feel about me? And to not know whether your love rests on, on what I've done or whether it rests on something else creates a great anxiety and uncertainty in our lives. So if we don't make that distinction, say there are moments where this isn't about what you've done, I might have an opinion about it. Um, apart from that, you being you is enough for me. I am grateful for you and that I know you and that I'm here with you. Um, and I don't feel that way all the time. Often I'm, you know, <laughs> tired and cranky. <laughs> right. there, done that. Yep. Yep, yep. But, but those, those moments sprinkled throughout our, our day or our week here and there go a long way. Um, like we call it delight is, is like uh, the wind in our sails. Uh, mm-hmm. It allows us to to move forward out in the world, uh, and often that means on our own. We carry that sense of um, I'm. It is good. I am good. It is good that I am here in the world mm-hmm. um, because I've looked in my father's eyes and my mother's eyes and seen they've they've seen something that is good. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, delight is different. Um, than pride because it, it doesn't have to do with what we've done it's just in our in our being love that yeah i love that distinction and maybe podcast family you're listening just like daniel and i when we read this chapter and we're like whoa that is revolutionary mm-hmm. because maybe you look back on your own way that you grew up and there was not a lot of delight so jeffrey and amy wondering if our podcast family is feeling like I think I show my children a lot more pride than delight. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any steps, like actual really practical steps that they can even start today after they finish listening about like, how can I show delight mm-hmm. to my kids? And that would be able to understand and respond to that. Yeah, well, I think one thing is being self-aware, like where are the places in our relationship, in our like in our the ways and moments we interact with where I am going to feel that internal pressure to like 
judge, you know, uh, your behavior. Like I, in a public setting, I might be like, I'm going to have a hard time delighting because I'm just going to be thinking about what other people are thinking about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so one is just placing yourself in a context where those pressures maybe are relieved. You know, there's not an audience, an external one or your own internal audience, like giving yourself permission to just be curious with this person, whether it's, you know, going to the park and just sitting um, on the ground and seeing what happens or inviting them to take you somewhere in their imagination uh, to get on the floor. So it is a mindset I think we bring to our relationship where I'm going to release any need to control what happens here. That's one thing. And I think, you know, it's interesting because sometimes it's hard to delight when we're having a, a, a rough patch with one of our kids. Um, so I'm just thinking of a time when our oldest and I were struggling. We just had different temperaments. And so I found, but I knew how important delight was. So I found that if I would just sit with him while he was waking up five or 10 minutes every morning, we just would have a really, really sweet time together. And the rest of the day could be kind of hard to be honest, (laughs) but those few minutes were just so beautiful. And so it's sometimes it's just carving time out. And I also want to say to everyone with young kids, he is 16 right now and he is delightful, like so wonderful. Mm. So that's why it's so important to also go back to um, that question, changing that frame of that question from what should I do to how shall I be? Because it's such a long life. And so if we can capture these small moments of delight, even in the hard days and months, and maybe years, and then with this long view picture of this is what we're building, we're building a relationship with one another. Um, it really is something transformative. Hmm. Now, what if as parents, we don't feel delighted by our kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an honest question. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's one too many fights mm-hmm. or, yeah. Battle of the wills. Yeah. Headbutting head. Maybe they're teenagers and we never delighted in them before. And now it's like, what are you up to, mom? Yeah. You're being weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, I think there are a couple angles. One is just recognize their, their, um, as Amy was saying, a relationship is a, is a long journey. There are going to be chapters in that journey that we, um, we are, we're, not feeling, we're not feeling very connected. And this may be a season where um, I, I'm just not going to find that, uh, that emotional experience or that attitude to be very accessible. And, and uh, to extend oneself grace for that, uh, and grace to my kid mm. that he can't be delightful <laughs> in the way that I might <laughs> want to or naturally experience it. So that's one, just having patience to say, this is a hard season. Um, I do think it's important to ask ourselves, especially if it feels like, well, that's delight is hard for me to access across relationships or beyond just a a certain season is it's very hard to delight when one doesn't feel delightable oneself. And I think we do have to um, invite God into that space where we recognize, I'm not sure whether I believe I'm delighted in because if, if we don't have access to that truth for ourselves, it's going to be very hard um, to access it for, for someone else. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Drop the mic. <laughs> no, I'm, like, I'm speechless. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen often, but I'm speechless. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know, uh, you know, from a from a faith perspective, I mean, this is again one of those like buried scriptures, Zephaniah three seventeen. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoever got to Zephaniah three seventeen <laughs> didn't even know it was a book. Um, but you know, when when I discovered that. Um, uh, God declares that he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Like there was something about that verse that God's singing over me. Uh, and I believe that verse is true through G- through Jesus, through Christ. Like he's the one who makes that uh, an anchor I can, I can hold on to. Um, I can let go of whether I... I'm going to face rebuke from from God. He is he is simply rejoicing over me with singing. Like that's not what it feels like from my my history growing up from my earthly mother mother and father necessarily. Um, but it's true somewhere spiritually in in, in a much bigger, deeper way. Mm-hmm. To pray into that was an important part of my my faith journey. And it was easy. I had, it wasn't easy. I had to wrestle with that over many years to accept that. Yeah. And we talk Love a lot that. in the book about our, our, our belief that, um, that there's a spirit that is with us at all times. Um, that's accessible to us that when we cry out that God is listening. Um, and I think that in those moments when delighting is hard or loving ourselves are hard, um, I think we can cry out <laughs> and listen for wisdom. What do I do in this moment? Oh God, you who know my child and love and adore my child in ways that I cannot, mm. how would you have me love them? Um, and how would you love me, love me? <laughs> right. And I went, through, I really struggled with postpartum depression after our third was born. And, but I know the research and I know the science and I know how much our, our babies, our kids need our delight. And so every time I saw my little guy, I just had something. I said, Oh, I'm so happy to see you. I would just smile at him and say, I am so happy to see you. And it was a practice for me. It was a practice. And I am now, I mean, (laughs) that was a chapter in my life that was hard. And Jeffrey, Jeffrey loved me through and, um, and he's, he, I just feel like my relationship with my son is so strong now. Do I wish that was different? Of course I do. But am I so grateful to know the importance of delight so I could make that decision that in his first, you know, his first year, every time I saw him, I just smiled and said, I'm so happy to see you. Absolutely. Yes, too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, thank you, Amy and Jeffrey, for being on the podcast with us. They are the authors of The Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection, Delight, Support, Boundaries, Protection, Comfort, Equipping. Those are the six needs, and there's so much more in their brand new book. So thank you for taking the time, Amy and Jeffrey, mm-hmm. out of your busy schedules to, uh, and, and also for modeling the way in New Zealand for the rest <laughs> of the world to know how to respond to COVID. So thank you <laughs> on so <laughs> many levels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Everybody in a bubble. Yeah, exactly. I feel like uh, that comes yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, I can't wait to be delighted and proud that yes. we <laughs> that we made it through, y'all. Well, thank you so much, guys. Thanks thank for having for us. Having we love us. being with you. Absolutely. 
Man, I absolutely love the ways that the Ulrichs have shown us that our imperfect selves are exactly who our imperfect children need uh, to love and care for them. Yeah, maybe that's why God gave us the last name Im, right? Just to (laughs) remind us that we can be imperfect and our imperfect selves are exactly what our children, the Im's, need. That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So much pressure is relieved when we can realize that. And it also is an invitation to grace on both sides, the parents and the child's. And I love where we landed on as we were talking in the last few questions about delight versus pride, because I think that's a really strong clarification. And I love, Daniel, how you talked about it, about your book and what happens when we believe the lie that we are who we raise. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's one of the seven lies uh, in my book, You Are What You Do, and six other lies about work, life, and love. And it was fascinating because when you think about this lie, right? You are who you raise. Why do we feel that way? Yeah. Why do we feel success when our child experiences success? And why do we feel shame or failure or guilt when our child fails? Well, it's because we all kind of believe this lie that we are who we raise, but underneath the surface of this lie is actually pride. And it's this, this sense of uh, wanting to have control over not only your own life with all the other lies, but over your child's life. And this isn't just something that uh, parents struggle with when their kids are younger. It's actually something that can go into adulthood and when you parent adult children as well. So I love how Amy and Jeffrey are able just to talk about delight because delight is a completely different story. So for all the links of today's episode, especially uh, the link to Amy and Jeffrey's newest book, The Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection, go to inbetween.org slash episode 103. While you're there, we're actually going to link the whole series that we did, the whole podcast series. There's three of them where we did on Daniel's newest book and they are talking about the lies we believe about ourselves, the lies we believe about parenting and the lies we believe about marriage. Oh, actually there's the fourth one because we don't want to just know about the lies. We want to know the truth, right? And so we have that episode as well that the truth will set you free. So like I said, make sure you go to inbetween.org slash episode 103 for all the show notes and all the links to our previous podcasts. And perhaps someone came to mind where even if you're in a small group or you're connecting with other moms or dads and you're like, oh, you know, this is so fascinating. Let's talk about this together. And you just wanted to have that dialogue. Well, the easiest thing to do is to text them in between.org slash episode 103 or just hit the share button on your podcasting app and send this directly to them. All right. So that brings us to an end for episode 103 and next week on episode 104 what are we going to be talking about christina we are going to be talking about strengths-based parenting and i'm so excited about this because daniel is actually a strength certified coach and we usually talk about it with adults but this time we're going to gear it towards children you're not going to want to miss this episode this episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.